this is The Ignition Show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to our podcast. My name is Chris Jansen, host of The Ignition Show, where our aim is to ignite the fire in your belly to take charge of your life, own your power, and strive for your full potential. We're here to create meaningful conversation with switched-on people about things that really matter. What might have been my first exposure to the incredible capacity of our human potential was lying on my sofa as a young kid watching athletes compete at the highest level. Sure, there were the common team sports, or North American team sports, of basketball and football and hockey and baseball. Fun to watch and love to play them, but not exactly remarkable. But for me, the Olympics were another level, especially the less common sports and events like ski jumping or biathlon or even the marathon. Those seem special. They're fascinating and very remarkable, not things that you would see every day. And I marveled at how people would put their bodies into extreme conditions, looking like they were on the verge of death sometimes, but fiercely committed to keep pushing themselves and keep competing. Yet there was one sport, one sporting competition that was next level for me, that was way beyond my comprehension, was otherworldly. And I simply couldn't wrap my head around how that could be done. I'm talking about the Ironman Triathlon, a one-day competition consisting of a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and a full 26-mile marathon in the heat. Watching men and women push the limits was equally inspiring, inconceivable, and seemed impossible. Those people must be from another planet, or so I thought as a teenager. Since then, in the 20 plus years gone by, I learned a lot on what it takes to achieve the impossible and the vast capacity, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, that lies within each and every one of us to face enormous challenges, to overcome incredible odds, and achieve amazing things especially things that we used to believe could never happen to us. So I'm honored and blessed to bring to you today's guest, Rajan Thayanayagam. The facts will tell you that Rajan has now competed in 18 Ironman triathlon races, most recently at the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii. That alone is incredibly impressive. You might think that Rajan is a genetically gifted man who must have unlimited resources, an amazing support team, and a flexible lifestyle. But wait until you hear his story. Wait until you understand where Rajan started and where he's going. Normally, I would tell you to be sure to take notes and capture ideas from our guests, but today, I implore you to sit back and just listen. Just listen to the truth of what we, of what you, are capable of. The depth of your potential, your resilience, your compassion and love that you already have within you. And maybe, just maybe, Rajan's story will spark something in you and fuel you to lift the lid on your perceived limitations. This conversation with Rajan stirred something in me, and I hope it stirs you too. Enjoy the conversation. On today's show, we're speaking with Rajan Thananayagam. Rajan is a human potentialist. He's also a chartered accountant, but as you're about to find out, he's not your average accountant by any means. His passion is to inspire people to access and share their incredible possibilities. At a time when many find change or crisis to be a pain, Rajan is someone who learned to thrive in these conditions. His life experience living in a highly volatile conflict zone in Sri Lanka has enabled him to appreciate human ingenuity and belief in our human potential, our capacity to expand and grow to do extraordinary things in life in the face of adversity and crisis. One particular way he's lived that is through pushing his mind and body to the limits in the Ironman triathlon. Rajan is ranked in the top 1% of Ironman athletes in the world in his age group. He regards his life journey as an adventure and is constantly seeking challenges that push him to the edge of possibilities. Rajan, welcome to the Ignition Show. Thanks, Chris. It's great to, great have to be you. with you. Yeah, great to yeah, be with likewise. you as well. Uh, now, I'd like, this, I'd like to talk to you today about this human potentialists and being a human, uh, a human potentialist. And let's start with you. You and I first met about four years ago when a mutual friend introduced us. And at the time, you were training for your 11th Ironman triathlon, if I recall correctly. And you've now competed in 18 Ironman triathlons. So you've managed to squeeze in six more races in the past four years and 18 in the past eight years, including the most recent Ironman World Championships in Hawaii, which I know is a, um, a pinnacle for your, your journey. What is it that pushes you or perhaps pulls you to that Ironman start line so much? 
Uh, I guess, uh, Chris, uh, yeah, it's great to be with you today. And uh, I think it's Ironman is a very honest race, but it's more than Ironman. But what this journey really means to me, what really matters, I mean, uh, I see every race and every training session as an opportunity to learn something about myself. I mean, you're constantly pushing your body and mind to the edge and uh, and every training session you're approaching it with total integrity and uh, and I'm learning more about myself and then I'm basically I'm in wandering I'm in wonderment of our being you know uh, even though I mean we are blessed with so many uh, things outside of us I mean very few of us really appreciate the body that we have, this body, mind, and the spirit. And uh, the combination of these three uh, is what really inspires me. I mean, when, when one training session, I find it, it's pretty hard. And suddenly the next training session, I do the same thing. And suddenly the body had learned from the previous failure and basically it adjusted itself. So it's a constant learning. It's a constant learning. And this is what really drives me. And it's, uh, it's always about continuous improvement. It's not only as an athlete, as a person as well. So in summary, yeah, that's what really drives me. I mean, to find this possibility. And every time after a race, I, I mean, you say you want to push your limits. And then when you run through that finish line, you're seeing, gee, I mean, it looks like I got, I have another further <laughs> distance to travel before I see that edge. <laughs> so when I thought I approached that edge, then I see something even more. And uh, and then I'm saying, what is the edge of our human potential? I mean, we are at the crossroad of in our humanity. I mean, there are people are worried about machine learning is going to overtake our human uh, learning, you know. But I think our human ingenuity is something that cannot be replicated by any machines in the world. Mm. So I think we need to really appreciate our being and what we are made of and our potential to expand and do things that we thought it's not possible. I mean, Iron Man was something that I never, ever, even in my wildest dream, I thought it was possible. That's a different story in itself, but uh, well, yeah, and I'd love to get into your um, your backstory because I think to truly appreciate the accomplishments that you've experienced in the sport and what it represents for you in life, it's helpful for people to really understand your backstory. And you mentioned that you grew up in a very volatile environment in Sri Lanka. Now, of course, we are we know. Uh, certainly as we know as adults, and that we are significantly shaped by our early life experiences. How did that impact you as a young boy living in that kind of environment? And what was that and environment I, like? Tell us about that. I guess, uh, Chris, uh, I never had a regular upbringing that my children are experiencing. I mean, it has been a pretty volatile environment. I mean, we were living in a civil war in Sri Lanka, and uh, belonging to that minority community, I mean, uh, it has been pretty challenging living in that environment. I mean, you're constantly faced with, you're constantly fearful what's going to happen. It's survival. I mean, it's mm. pure survival. I mean, uh, it's, uh, I think, when you are in that survival mode, I mean, uh, nothing else matters. I mean, through it all, there's also only one thing that I was thinking. I really want to experience true peace and true freedom, and uh, and definitely I wasn't uh, overly convinced. I mean the the methods that's been used in that civil war. I mean something, yeah. Human lives are very valuable. I mean to seeing. Uh, so I lost uh, friends and a lot of my family's uh, members. They were affected. And uh, yeah, so in 1983, we became refugees. And since then, it had been like a constant survival mode. And despite all that, I mean, we didn't want to leave the country. And uh, somehow, <clears throat> we went through all that experiences. And basically, 
I learned a lot from that experience and and what you're seeing with the Iron Man is pretty much uh, an application of everything that I learned back in the days when I was living amidst that civil war and the survival mindset. I'm thinking, okay, these are lessons I learned when I was in a survival mode. Now uh, I can thrive in my life. So how do I apply that lessons? So Iron Man gave me <clears throat> the perfect platform for me to apply that. And um, and uh, just to also put that in context, I mean, certainly in our modern modern world today, uh, the idea of civil wars and uh, refugees, certainly the what's been happening in Syria in the many um, over the last many many years. Um, and pe people really to escape, you know, through Europe and through North America, etc. Was that something that you can relate to, uh, or or would that be a represent a similar situation that you were in? Yes. Yeah, of course. Yes. I mean, the level of hopelessness you feel in those moments. I mean, you are totally, you are defenseless, and you find you are basically you are surviving on the benevolence of many others who are around you. I mean, for example, in 1983, I mean, we escaped that horrendous experience because of the benevolence of our neighbor, because they felt uh, sorry for us and they could not see us getting armed. I mean, basically, my mother and five children, I'm the eldest in the family, so definitely they couldn't see. I mean, yeah, the property we lost, everything that we own, we lost, but we escaped that whole ordeal with our lives still intact. So, yeah, definitely I can relate to what these people are going through. And uh, and I think the world needs more compassion and more love to really understand what these people are going through. I mean, <clears throat> mm. living in Australia and Canada, in, in the Western country, I mean, people don't get to experience this kind of... Uh, events. I mean, in Sri Lanka, the good thing is now the war is over. And I think they are working hard towards building that peace and bringing the communities together. And which will take me to another topic that we will cover later on, Iron Man 70.3 Colombo, what that thing really meant to me. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I totally relate to what people are, I mean, the people who are from Syria and the other parts of the world who are getting displaced due to this horrendous civil war. And you mentioned that that experience has enabled you to appreciate human ingenuity and belief in our potential. How, can, was it, how did that transition happen? How did, how, did, how did you develop those beliefs through that experience? Were you, was it at that time or was it only on reflection later on? And was there a particular moment that you that stands out for you is when that when your belief and perspective changed on what's possible. I guess, uh, Chris, there was no cookbook as to how to handle a crisis situation, and you're constantly you're bombarded with a number of challenging situations, and we didn't have any uh, cookbook. This is how you should handle if you are faced with this situation. So you have to make decisions and you have to think from your feet even though you are fearful you feel you are frozen in that moment but still you have a life that you have to save and you have to live for yourself and you have to live for your family so in those moments i found i mean the things that i had to do it was quite profound. I mean, it's only later on in my adult life I started reflecting on that experience more from a compassionate angle. And I said, gee, I mean, this is what I learned. This is what I went through. And uh, and if you ask me, do I carry any grudge or anger or hate from that? Absolutely not. Even the people who affected us, I mean, I look at them from a very compassionate angle. And um, and I think it's time to move on and trying to uh, take a compassionate view of everything and to time to integrate and live as uh, one family. I mean, we are human beings. I mean, the humanity should prevail over any 
differences that we face as humans. I mean, these are man-made barriers. They are not real. You you mentioned about the importance of compassion and love, and again, going through through that experience or life experience. I know your mother was a very is a very strong role model for you for compassion. What what lessons what lessons did you learn early on about the importance of compassion? I guess there was one particular incident that really uh, fresh in my mind, Chris. Uh, this is about three days after we were in hiding in, in 83 and about three days after our house was burned and we couldn't move anywhere we are stuck in our neighbor's house and they were kind enough to protect us from the mob and i saw about three or four mobsters walking into that little room that we were staying and i thought oh my god we are done then I looked into this face of these people and then, gee, these are fellows that I play cricket with. We used to go and play. <laughs> My brothers and I, we go and play cricket and we play out in the paddy fields. And what happened to these guys? So I thought genuinely, I thought, I mean, these guys came to check on us. But little did I realize at that point, they were part of the mob. And basically they came to ask for forgiveness from my mother. And, and yeah, they explained what was going on and how helpless they felt. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my mother's response, something that really, uh, I mean, it, it really had an impact on me at that moment. I mean, she just stood there and listened to them. She said nothing. She didn't show any emotion. She didn't feel, I mean, I didn't see she was angry or, had this hatred toward them. She just looked at them and all what I saw in her eyes was pure compassion. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that moment that really had a profound impact in my future life. I mean, I, I was about 13 years at that time. So mm -hmm. even in the worst of the worst situation, I mean, our capacity to show compassion is something that I'll never forget. I mean, and yeah, so my mother always been that role model. So she's like epitome of compassion. So she set the benchmark for me. So yes. it's, a, it's, it's a hard act to follow, but I'm doing my best to be even half of that in my lifetime. <laughs> well, I know. And I know, um, I know how much you, you um, aspire and, and you do operate with integrity. And it's a... Uh, it's a remarkable, remarkable transformation from um, the experience that you were in to, to, the, to the man you are now and the contributions you're making and the impact that you want to have, which, which we'll get into. I know also a big part of your, your journey uh, and the influences on you was, was you know, what Ironman has taught you, taught you about many things, including overcoming fear. And I know you, you've, you've commented before that you at one point anyway you had a mortal fear of open water uh, yes. swimming in the sea or the ocean and as a, as a as a guy wanting to do triathlons that's what's well, something you have to face dead on and for those those uh, listening who maybe aren't familiar again you you're, you spend somewhere between probably for most people anyway somewhere between an ironman 40 minutes to up to 2 hours swimming yes. in the open water and um and, and you've told me before, and I've, I've heard you talk about uh, that uh, your first race of staying on the, that pier. And was it the, <laughs> the fishermen telling you that they had seen sharks yes. in the area? Yes. What was going I mean, through your head then? I mean, I, that was the first time ever I was venturing out. So this was in December 2011, my first ever Ironman. That was in Busselton, Western Australia. Those seas are known for sharks, great white sharks, and you so hear... That's, that's a great, great place for the race director to decide to put a race then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it was pretty this, I mean, you feel you're pretty safe because it's fairly uh, well covered by uh, the coast guards. But then again, I mean, I had this mortal fear, I mean, uh, it's it's pretty silly, but the truth is I was very fearful of open water swim. Then I 
thought, I mean, gee, I need to swim almost two kilometers along this pier. And I never had done this in my life. And, uh, and I was very fearful. And uh, I think the fear came from watching this movie Jaws when I was a kid. <laughs> and that mortal fear, <laughs> it lingered even in my adult life. And then to add to that, I was talking to a fisherman on the pier the day before the race. And the fellow was he started talking about his diving experience and and uh, yeah, the stuff that he saw and and he said he will never venture out again. And because the the swim is it, it goes and suddenly there's a very steep drop. And he was explaining how these predators would stay <laughs> in the depth. <laughs> and, and I was going, oh, my God. I mean, this is like adding fuel to the fire. Yes. And basically I froze. I mean, Chris, I honestly, I froze and I was sweating and I really couldn't. I mean, I, I, I thought I'm never going to do this. And um, and then I decided I'm, I'm going to the race office and tell them, look, I mean, I don't think I can do this thing. I'm feeling sick. But then something within me told me to reflect why I want to do this race. Mm. Because that first race I did was in uh, to remember my late father because he's a man who always wanted me to do some sort of sport when I was a kid, which I never got to doing. And then I just want to acknowledge him. I mean, he's not there physically, but in spirit, I felt he was there and and I couldn't myself and another realization that came through I mean is this fear real I mean am I just making up this fear <laughs> and then I realized I mean that fear is just a thought and if there is one thing that I can have absolute control over in my life this set how I think and how I feel and then I said I mean yeah this fear is just a thought and if I have absolute control over something in my life, that is my thoughts. So which means uh, I can control this fear. And that realization completely changed the way I thought about open water swimming. And immediately I told myself, yeah, I can control my thought. I can make that thought anything I want it to be. And uh, so, so I said, okay, I'm going to come up with the mantra for tomorrow morning, the entire 3.8 kilometer swim, I'm going to tell myself this fear is just a thought. If I have absolute control over one thing in my life, that's my thought. So this fear is just a thought. So I have absolute control over that fear. And surprisingly, that fear became an absolute driver for me to complete that open water swim with a lot of confidence. and. Yeah, next day morning, I rocked up on the start line. And yeah, there were about 1,500 fellow athletes. And I said, yeah, just bring it on. I mean, <laughs> I just felt a deep sense of gratitude and appreciation for having that opportunity to race that morning. And that, yeah. So. <laughs> that's, that's, it really is incredible. So many points I want to I wanna dive in on a little bit further on this because um, it is incredibly... Um, it's just incredible how you were able to turn that sense around, given given the, the the history you have with open water on the day before your race. And of course, not everyone listening to this conversation right now is an athlete or wants to swim in the open water, but they can all relate to fear. And of course, our instinct, our hard wiring as human beings is to keep ourselves safe, to avoid danger, danger to stay safe and protected and to pull back from fear. So the thought that fear is just a thought, there's still some physiological reaction when we get into fear, right? We go to that fight or flight yes. state. So, so how did you, rather than just saying, oh, I control my thoughts, then fear is just a thought. What were you, was there any kind of battle you were having there or, or inner conflict between what your mind was telling you and how your body was truly reacting? I, my body, as I said, I mean, it basically froze. I mean, it was, I mean, when you, when you are in a, when you go past that fear, you are in panic. When you are in panic, you are sweating. I mean, pretty much your hands are trembling. 
And uh, it's a pretty much a paralyzing feeling, you know. But then when I had that realization, uh, my body just followed what my mind was telling it to do. And uh, that was a profound shift. So what I also realized, I mean, at that moment, I mean, your mind can be uh, a key player in how you want your body to respond. And something that I learned even during races, I mean, yeah, you feel your body is fatigued and you are going through so much of pain. And then you realize, I mean, is this really true? And then once the mind take control over that, uh, you are in a different space. I mean, it's just not only overcoming the fear. I mean, I also started uh, removing the limitation that we place on our mind. If you really look at, I mean, your mind is a limitless thing. I mean, it has no shape. It has no form. I mean, and it is your body that has all the limitations. Your body has a structure. For example, we can't fly by flapping our <laughs> arms. <Yes. laughs> but your mind doesn't have any such limit. It can be anything you want it to be. So you have this limitless mind in a limited body. However, vast majority of our limitations are imposed by our mind. So if you can re release the capacity of your mind to tap into that unlimited potential it has, I mean, what your body can do is just amazing. And that's yeah. exactly what I'm finding. So it just fear was just one piece. I mean, suddenly when mind had that realization, suddenly I found that boundaries around that thing just evaporating and the body naturally responded what the mind wants my body to do. And I know this is, you've kind of touched onto here, kind of part of your core philosophy of life and the impact that you want to have on the world. And I'm sure you have these conversations with many people inside and outside of sport. What are you seeing? What are you seeing are some of the the limitations that we put on ourselves or society puts on ourselves that if you could if you could grab grab the world by the shoulders and kind of shake it into in, in wake it up to it to its limitless potential if you could look someone in the eye who's who's listening to this podcast and this conversation right now if you could look them right in the eye and tell them the absolute truth about themselves what would you say what would you say to them i i, I would say um Number one, I mean, the limits that you are placing on yourself, you need to start believing it is just a fiction. You are conditioned by your culture, your peers, just not only your peers, the fears of your peers. <laughs> and what they tell you as impossible. And we tend to believe those. And we place our own limitation on ourselves. And when you place that limitation, you become a product of your circumstances. You're becoming a product of your conditions in which you are living. And you need to tell yourself, you're not your circumstances, you're not your condition. You can overcome those. And the only way you can do that is to make a conscious effort and decision I want to challenge the limits that I'm placing on myself. When someone tells you, yeah, what you're trying to do is impossible. I mean, you need to ask yourself, is that really true? It may be impossible for him or her, but is it true for me? Unless you go out and try it, you will never know mm. your potential. So all what I'm telling you, give yourself that opportunity to test yourself out there. And and I just want you to be absolutely astonished by what you could do if you can remove that limitation. And I know you're a very um, devo devout father and a very proud father of your kids. How old are they now? So my daughter is 68 years, so she'll be turning 17 uh, in June. And my son uh, is 10 years. Uh, they are wonderful to have them around. And 
in a way, uh, Chris, I think they are my biggest inspiration that I'm embarking in this journey. And a lot of people, I mean, used to question my sanity to push myself through this uh, kind of grueling training regime and basically the sacrifices that I make. And I mean, which which affects me. I mean, at times I wonder, I mean, whether I'm suffering from some kind of a disorder, what I'm trying to prove myself, I'm mean, trying to prove my self-worth through this. And uh, I mean, do I have this kind of a, a competitive spirit? And uh, I mean, what I'm trying to prove here, because I had no athletic background. I mean, I don't have even a certificate to say that I have done something with athletics when my schooling days i mean i never swam never uh, cycle never <laughs> ran yes. of anything and it's at age 41 i took up this sport so what am i trying to prove here and what i realized i mean this journey is giving me an opportunity to live my values mm-hmm. and what i found uh I am comfortable doing what I'm doing because it's so aligned with the things that I value and the things that I believe. And what I told myself, I mean, some you can teach your kids, sitting them down about life values and beliefs they should carry in their life. But what happens if I am that example that they should follow? Mm. So I am living my values. So somewhere down the line, somewhere in future, they will look at it and they'll see this guy lived that value. So, and so that's what that, I was, I was, uh, I was leading, leading to and curious about when you talk about, um, I totally agree with you that the, being a role model for, for kids is the most, is the fastest way to teach them lessons. Um, and with this, with this, your your perspective that you learned through your life of the the limitless mind, what are you noticing? As uh, because we tend to put our limits on very early on in life, and the, the age that your kids are at, they're at very um, um, uh, informative years of, of yes. their own development. And what are you noticing about kind of how their minds are developing, just as young kids, and what limits they put on themselves? Uh, or what ki- kids put, uh, you know, for all the parents who might be listening here, what are some things you can watch out for? Maybe the, the right question I want to ask is, what are the things as a parent you can watch out for, be aware of, or maybe be mindful of that where kids put limitations on themselves and, and they don't need to, or as a parent, you need to help, help, help them see that there, there are other options. You'll be surprised, uh, Chris. I mean, compared to our time and now, uh, nowadays, I find the kids are highly influenced by social media and uh, and what they see in the social media is influencing their thinking very much. And uh, there's, I mean, almost every other kid that I know, they got a smartphone and they are checking the social media. And, and at times the parents have very little control over what these kids are accessing and what they are seeing. And in a way that influences their thinking and their personalities and the things that they build up uh, the values and the beliefs in their lives. So, and you need to stay close to them. I mean, gone are the days where you try to control the kids uh, through whatever the means. But now the best way to do that is to be part of their life. I mean, for me, uh, even though I have my own training regime, I mean, going out with my daughter for a occasional run or a swim, that creates that bond. I mean, I always uh, see, I mean, she, I mean, she's a really good swimmer and I try to learn something from her. And then I try to inspire with her running. So these kids also, they get inspired and they get driven and and help them to dream big. I mean, don't we never ever should put limits on their aspirations. I mean, I always tell my wife, I mean, it's it's not about giving them the education, but giving them something that they believe in in their lives. I mean, my daughter, I mean, she is very fond of animals, so she wants to protect the animals, the oceans. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what you should be doing. I mean, that's exactly what the world needs. And what are the values and beliefs she needs to build 
within herself so that she can embark on that journey. Just like my son, I mean, he wants to be a surgeon in his life. So what do you need to do now? So it's just not only the education. Education is just a tool, but the life values and beliefs that you help them to build at a very young age is what's going to carry them through the journeys that they are passionate about. I mean, gone are the days where you have very limited choices as to your career options. But nowadays, the kids have a lot of choices as to which career they want to embark. So find that passion in them and help to nurture that. I mean, so as parents, I mean, it's more than the kids. As parents, we need to uh, evolve ourselves to the modern-day realities, you know. <laughs> you know, so much of, uh, you know, flipping it to the other end of that, a lot of the work that I've done in the, in the corporate world of, of training and coaching uh, leaders is one of the, the certainly recurring themes that I see for people who are in, you know, maybe that mid, mid range of their career, or maybe the last, you know, last third of their career, you know, in their 40s, maybe yep. the late 30s, 40s, early 50s, is a lot of people have a realization when we have conversations, they have a realization that they've been in their comfort zone too long, whether yes. it be at work or outside of work, that they've, whether they've fallen into a rhythm or they've fallen into a rut, whatever it might be. Yes. What's your view on, as, as adults, regardless of what are, where we are in our life stage, uh, what's your view on the comfort zone? And I guess particularly is how do, how do get out of or step out of the comfort zone in a way to really bring more energy or purpose or aliveness or alignment to your life? What's, what's your view on that? I guess, Chris, I mean, my life journey would be a perfect example for that. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, as you know, I mean, I'm a chartered accountant. I mean, I, I had a successful corporate career. And uh, so I can talk about my own journey. I mean, what really got me into triathlon in the first place. So in 2009, I mean, I was a pretty successful corporate executive, I mean, with a nice bank balance. However, I was emotionally burnt, physically shattered, and spiritually bankrupt, pretty much. Wow, and that's a, yeah, a one-two-three punch. Yeah, so it was because in that corporate world, I found a comfort and something within me was not going all that well. And uh, yeah, so life really hit me pretty hard at that moment. And uh, I couldn't find meaning to anything I did. I mean, this life is all about going to work, earning money and ranking the corporate ladder. Is this what life is all about? I mean, in my deathbed, what I'm going to think about, what are those things that I'm going to be proud of? I mean, I can tell you, I'm definitely having a big bank balance <laughs> in your deathbed. It's not going to <laughs> save you. <laughs> it's the fact that, yeah, I was the CEO of this big corporate. I mean, is that going to make me feel good in my deathbed? Absolutely not. So I was at a stage where I was trying to find meaning to my life. I mean, with everything I was doing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I got into a serious depression and it was during that time. I mean, the only symptoms that I was feeling severe physical pain, uh, I was getting physio treatment almost three or four times a week. And then on the other side, I was also consulting a spiritual counselor on the very first day uh, with the spiritual counselor. Towards the end, she asked me a question. Did you feel suicidal at any stage? And, and here I'm a hardened up human being who's just, this lady just opened me up and uh, I couldn't give her an honest answer. All what I had was tears just pouring down my face. Mm. And uh, the truth was, yes, because life, I couldn't find any meaning. I mean, despite all the material comfort and the wealth and having a nice family. I lost the meaning that I had for my life. And it was around this time, a good friend of mine approached me and said, look, uh, 
would you be interested in doing a triathlon? And I said, no, not for me. But <laughs> then he convinced me and I said, uh, yeah, why not? And the day before the triathlon, something within me said, no, I mean, this is a pretty bad idea. I mean, I'm so unfit, so overweight, and this is not for me. I mean, it was a baby triathlon, by the way. It's just a 500-meter swim, right. 20 kilometers on the bike, and a four-kilometer run. So I did everything possible to bail out of it, but this guy wouldn't let me i mean he gave me all the possible reason as to why i should do it so because of his nagging i started the race and and when i ran through the finish line something within me just opened up and i'm saying yeah this didn't kill me and uh, <laughs> and suddenly i felt uh, i don't know i suddenly something in me just sparked and and i couldn't put my finger into anything and I said and I was thinking I was such an idiot I mean this is such a simple thing why did I make a, such a big fuss about it and that is the moment that I went back and realized the childhood fear that I've been carrying of triathlon which is a different story uh, that is the Julie Moss connection <laughs> yes well before I go to Julie Moss I just I just want to highlight because what you're saying there is just it's so uh, so profound that you had been fearing this, you were in a very, very dark place in your life and you were fearing doing something. And at the end of doing that thing that you were afraid of, you said, no, it didn't kill me. In fact, what it sounds like, it actually made you alive again. And brought, you, brought you to life. And I think there's such a powerful, uh, such a powerful perspective and lesson in there that when we are stuck in our comfort zones, that we feel, you know, I often see it as being in your comfort zone. People feel like, well, that's where I'm safe. But I often see, well, well the reality is that is what, what, what's keeping you in your comfort zone is fear. Fear that that's if you right. step outside that comfort zone, you're going to die, be embarrassed, fail, whatever it may be. Um, so the irony of ironies is that fear lives in our comfort zone, not outside the comfort zone. When you That's get right. outside the comfort zone, you become alive. And when I coach athletes as well, that I get a lot of them saying that, that I get really, really nervous before the event. But when I get into the event, maybe got knocked around a little bit, I, I stop feeling nervous and afraid. And that's such an important lesson for, for all of us. And, it's a, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, when we feel the fears, we tend to stop or freeze that's or right. go away. <laughs> And, and that's this is something give away our power. Yeah, so this is something I learned from my corporate life as well. I mean, uh, most of the time we work towards avoiding failure. We don't work towards achieving success. So when you are trying to avoid failure, that is in a way, it's the fear that is driving you. In that circumstances, how could you bring the best in your people? I mean, when you're working towards achieving success, that is quite empowering. And that gives reasons for people to stretch themselves over and beyond what is what their job descriptions tells them. And my career has been pretty much uh, based on that. I mean, it's not about the best, having the best or the best technology, but tapping into the human potential that exists within your team is the success of any organization and uh, you are looking for competitive edge it's not there in a software it's not there in your technology it's not there in your vision mission it's in your people mm. you, so sorry go ahead no it's it's simply tapping into that human ingenuity that's what's going to bring your competitive edge <laughs> and also what you touched on a few minutes ago was uh, the fact that you were in a place where you couldn't find meaning in it in anything, and you you wrote very eloquently. You're you're a very talented writer, and uh, for anyone listening, you should go online and follow Rajan on on uh, on LinkedIn and social media. We'll put the links in our show notes for sure. But one of the things that that I, I think you said so eloquently, and I'm just going to just read back to you an excerpt here. Is you said you said life is suffering. However, the vast majority of us don't accept this truth. We want to avoid suffering and, all, and always want to be in a beautiful state. 
which we find safety and comfort. When we find that we hang on to it, we don't want to let it go. In a way, it imprisons us. And as the saying goes, ships are safe in the harbor, but that's not what they're built for. Similarly, in life, safe is, uh, we're safe in our comfort zone, but that's not what life is meant to be. Life should be a purposeful journey. It's a series of problems that require us to find solutions. Through finding those solutions, we create meaning to life. Through meaning to life, we reach that state where life becomes beautiful. Yeah. What, what, do, you think when I, what do you think when I read those words back to you? I mean, it resonates very well with me. I mean, that's something I always believe. I mean, life is a suffering. It's, it's nothing new. I mean, uh, living in a Buddhist country, I mean, yeah, I pride that I was born and bred in a Buddhist country, that is Sri Lanka. And uh, yeah, I mean, the first noble truth is life is suffering. And anyone thinks otherwise, I mean, they are living in an illusion. And uh, through those suffering, I mean, uh, we need to find meaning. I mean, it's there even in the Bible and in every religious script. I mean, you will find, I mean, it's all about struggle and overcoming those struggles. Through those overcoming those struggles, uh, there are many lessons that's been taught through those religion, religious scripts. So, yeah, I mean, uh, through those suffering, I mean, we find meaning, I mean, overcoming those problems that we find meanings. Life is not meant to live in the comfort zone. I mean, you're just wasting space. So if someone is, is listening to this, and let's say they're going through a, a dark time, maybe they're suffering like you were suffering and couldn't find meaning in anything, or maybe they're, they're suffering in a different way that they're just, they've, they've lost the spark of life. They're maybe in their comfort zone or or maybe they're in that dead man zone where the, the joy isn't joyful enough and the pain isn't painful enough to change, but they're seeking. They're, they're interested in making a change or they're interested in, 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 in finding something. What, what would your advice to be or what would you suggest? They're listening to this right now. Where, where would they start? What could they do? What do they need to expose themselves to to get them out of whatever the state they're in? There are a number of steps that one can take, uh, Chris. I mean, I was pretty lucky because when triathlon came into my life, I mean, yeah, that completely changed my life on its head. And uh, if triathlon wasn't spark, I mean, it wasn't giving me the spark. I mean, the fact that I'm in search of meaning, I would have tried many other things. I would have gone and done some other different sport or different activities. So I would have just engrossed myself reading something that I enjoy myself so much. So I would have gone on doing many different things until I find that thing that really brought that spark and that could sustain it into the future. And the other piece is, I think we need to embrace vulnerability in our moments like that. So we try to put a bravado face whilst we are deep within us, we are burning <laughs> or we are basically shrinking. And it's important, Chris, I mean, we embrace vulnerability. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's openly we need to acknowledge to our own self. I mean, we need to be true to our own self. I mean, we need to acknowledge, yeah, I'm going through this challenge. The fact that you acknowledge you have a problem in itself is the biggest solution. That no sooner you acknowledge you have a problem, you will be in search of solution. Vast majority of us, we live in denial. We deny our human conditions. Mm. And that is the biggest problem. It needs to start with an acknowledgement. Yes, I am going through a I'm having some challenges, I'm having some problems, I'm having some issues. And that realization will help you to embrace the vulnerability. When you are vulnerable, you are humble enough to seek help from a friend. The fact that you can share your problem with someone else, that would help you to bring some perspective. Because we think the problems that we are having is unique to us. But the truth is, I mean, you're not unique. Somewhere someone has gone through exactly what you have gone through. 
Yes. And their experience can really help you to overcome the challenges that you are facing. So we need to remove this thing in our mind. I mean, what we are going through is something unique to us. I mean, no one else has faced. I mean, that is that is a false sense of <laughs> uh, security. And basically, uh, we are not connecting ourselves with the wider humanity. I mean, we are getting ourselves so individualized. So I recently I read somewhere in an article, uh, if you really look at our lives are built around convenience, not communities. If you really look at yes. <laughs> objectively. So when you are trying to look for that convenience, you are losing that connections that you have with people. And it's important that we need to start thinking about community and those connections that we need to foster in our life to find that meaning and that spark. And somewhere, someone who has gone through that experience and that experience can help you to overcome the challenges that you are having. And uh, never stop. I mean, keep trying until you find uh, there is a passion. Another thing that I always think about, I go back to my childhood. As a child, the, what are those things that I enjoyed the most? I mean, people think, oh, that is absolute crazy. I mean, as a child, you are a child. But the truth is, most of the answers are there. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, what I'm doing now in my adult life is no different to the stuff that I was imagining when I was a kid. For me, as a kid, it was life was all about adventure and doing some crazy things. I mean, thinking about a lot of things that I want to do as a kid. It's all about adventure, bringing that excitement to life. And what I am living now is exactly what that child dreamt many years ago. Yes. <laughs> so, so a lot of answers are there in our childhood. So don't uh, disown that part of you just because you are an adult now. Well, the, um, it's so true. It's so true. And many times when people are struggling to find the clients that I've worked with, struggling to really find the, the direction that they want to go or the meaning. And, and you're right, the, the, the best place to look is, is, is in the rear view mirror many times to look at what are the themes or the, the things that lit you up or just fully engaged you that you could immerse yourself in and, and time That's flew it. by. Yes. And when you get into that flow state, even as a young child, there are, there are clues. There are hints and clues in your past that connect the dots as to what really lights you up um, and emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. And for anyone listening to this who is maybe wondering what next is, that's a great place to start. And you gave some really practical things there. And I love what you said about embrace vulnerability, which of course uh, is a hard thing to do. For people, people, for people, people resist that a lot. But um, one thing that always strikes me is, especially on social media, is that some of the most um, widely shared, widely commented on, and widely supported posts from celebrities, from your own friends on Facebook or Instagram or others, or from people you don't know, are the ones mm -hmm. where there is this raw humanity of, of people right. sharing vulnerable, their fears, their insecurities, and yeah, you always, you know, you always gonna have some people that uh, have a negative slant, but most part, for the v most part, when people open up their soul and share it in the most vulnerable way, that's when they receive the most positive support, embrace. And as the old saying goes, is that um, you, you liberating yourself gives permission to others to liberate themselves themselves as well. That's exactly right. Spot on, Chris. Yeah. Spot on. <laughs> You know, you mentioned um, uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on is you mentioned the, your Julie Moss. And just briefly, would love to love for you to share that story because I think it's, it's a great bookend to this conversation of of overcoming fear and overcoming um, limitations and living childhood dreams. Could you tell us a brief a story? You mentioned that you were you were not only did you have a fear of open water, you had a fear of triathlons. Um, <laughs> where did that fear come from? And uh, tell us what happened uh, a few months ago. Uh, in the early 80s, I mean, uh, I was living, I mean, it was a village at that time in Sri Lanka. And uh, 
and uh, hardly any houses had electricity and we were the lucky ones. We had a small black and white TV. And one of the programs that I always enjoyed watching is the repeat telecast of ABC's Wild World of Sports. And it's, uh, they show these snippets of sports all around the world from baseball, NFL, rugby, you name it, it's there. Mm. And during one of those programs, I saw something which, I, which didn't make sense. I saw this young girl crawling on the ground and people standing around and wondering what's going on. And, and that didn't make sense because here I'm seeing athletics, cricket, NFL, different kind of sports. And suddenly I'm seeing someone crawling on the ground. And, and the problem was, I mean, at that time, uh, I couldn't understand what the commentator was saying because uh, I was pretty much, my English wasn't pretty good at that time. And that image of this young girl crawling on the ground just got stuck in my head for a pretty long time. And many years later, I heard something about Iron Man. And during that time, I thought, I mean, gee, I mean, I saw that image in that uh, when that young girl was crawling on the ground. It was at that moment I connected the dot backs and I realized what that young girl was doing was something called Ironman triathlon. And it was at that time uh, I realized uh Gee, I mean, these people who do this Ironman, they are some kind of a special breed of people. I mean, this is not for mortal beings like me. I mean, yeah, something... I had the exact same thought. I had the exact same thought when I first saw the Ironman. And yeah, so I thought, I mean, these are some kind of a special breed. And that fear basically went into my subconscious level, which manifested itself when my friend invited me many years later. <laughs> To come and do a triathlon <laughs> and uh, and when I ran through the finish line uh, after that sprint triathlon uh, that is that realization gee I mean I've been carrying this baggage with me almost 30 odd years <laughs> yeah 41 years <laughs> I did my first triathlon but I've been carrying this baggage of fear of triathlon for such a long time the fact that I had that realization that liberated me and that liberated me in a way that I never thought it would do. And, uh, and uh, yeah, since then, they say rest is history. <laughs> well, and then give us, the, give us the, the final chapter on that story. You, um, uh, you were so inspired by what the Ironman experience has done for you. And you're a very proud Sri Lankan that you, you brought the race. You were one of the race directors for the Ironman 70.3 the last couple of years. And this year you had a special guest. Is that true? That's right. So last year at the Ironman World Championship, I had the privilege of uh, racing in Kona last year. And I made use of that opportunity to go and meet the legend herself, Julie Moss. And, and again, uh, Julie Moss was the girl you saw crawling on TV. That's right. Black and white TV right. back, in the, <laughs> back in the 80s, yes. Back in the 80s and seeing her uh, in uh, in person, I mean, it was a profound experience. And I told her, I want you to listen to my story. When I told her my story, I mean, both of us were in tears. Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, had I known this story, that would have made to my Crawl of Fame book. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, look, I'm, I'm the uh, race and event director for Ironman 70.3 Colombo. I would like you to invite you to come and race the event. And she said, uh, yeah, I'll get back to you. A few weeks later, she said, yep, I'm on. Amazing. <laughs> and yeah, so she came to Colombo. She was the uh, ambassador for the event because it's an our Ironman 70.3 Colombo. We are very big on diversity and inclusion, especially we, we kept driving higher female participation. And she was the face of that uh, initiative. So she came, not only promoted the event, also uh, did the event. So it was an extremely humbling experience. I mean, to see uh, her young self on TV crawling on the ground, to seeing her coming 
to my home country and racing on my home turf, you know, I mean, it was so humbling. I mean, I was telling everyone, I mean, if this is a dream, please don't wake me up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it gives me chills hearing that story. Um, And just to imagine, just imagine you as a young boy in that village in Sri Lanka on a little black and white TV, not understanding what's going on. And then fast forward a few decades later, that woman, you are standing arm in arm, uh, inspiring other people to live to their full potential and to get outside their comfort zone and to take off the limits that they've put on their minds. And I know that you are, you truly, truly are, uh, Rajan, a, a living inspiration. And I, I, I encourage Thanks, more Grace. and more people to, to follow you on social media. Your, your posts are inspiring. We'll put those, again, those links in the show notes. We'll also put the link in the show notes for those who, um, who may not be familiar with the story that Rajan just shared about, uh, about Julie Moss and, and the starting of the Ironman. That is really a, an iconic, iconic video, an iconic moment in sports. And we'll include that link on our show notes as well to Julie and her book. Um, and I think it's just it's, uh, what, what I admire about you, Rajan, and the story that you share. It's just a great reminder that regardless of where people are who are listening to this, they may be in a, in a beautiful home, in a beautiful community with a beautiful car and beautiful kids, but something isn't right for them. Something is, is they're not fully alive. And it's a great reminder that at any age and any stage of life, we have the opportunity to break out of what's holding us back. We are, truly are limitless. And you, um, you are a living example. And I, I appreciate you oh, thanks, and I Chris. honor you for being a, being a man of integrity, for someone who lives the values that they want to bring to the world. Um, what Thanks, is, um, yeah, you're very welcome. So before I ask the final question, what, uh, where could people learn more about you or get in touch with you? Um, definitely. I think they can follow me on my Instagram account. I mean, I put, uh, uh almost every other day, uh, something, a new realization that I would have had, whether it's in training or in life. So I share that uh, message with the world and also my Facebook. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, those, those would be the most easiest way to follow me. Great. Well, we'll include that link there. And I, I also really love the fact that you're always learning. And uh, I'm, you're, 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 you're always a student. You're always a student. I mean, one of the things I want to tell the listeners, I mean, most often, unconsciously, we think everything in terms of limits, the limits of everything that we, and I think it's important that we start thinking about possibilities, what is possible. <laughs> I think uh, that that's uh, quite a profound shift in the way you look at things. I mean, rather than seeing things in as limits, think in terms of possibilities in your life. Well, perhaps uh, that's a good segue to my final question in reflecting on everything we've talked about today, but also reflecting on the, the, the incredible, inspiring journey that you, you are going through, continuing to go through. Um, the final question on today's conversation on the Ignition Show is, what do you hope to ignite in the world? Um, I, I guess I want people to wake up to their own brilliance. I mean, it's a case of awakening i mean i want to awaken people to their own brilliance and to start appreciating what we have i mean uh, i mean as one of those uh, french philosophers said i mean we are not human beings having spiritual experience we are that spiritual beings having human experience so this is a great opportunity being born as humans in this world so it is time that we appreciate and look at life with a great sense of gratitude and appreciation and live our life to the fullest potential. So that is the part that I want to ignite in this world. And, uh, and I'm doing that thing from being an example myself. I mean, I'm testing myself. I mean, I'm putting myself out there. And I'm sharing that lessons with the world. And, and I hope it inspires and helps people to take action. It can be anything. I mean, you don't need to do a triathlon or an Ironman. Do something that you're very passionate about. 
and you, find meaning through that. Well, not only are you a great student of life, but you're also a great teacher. And thank you for all that you've taught us today and you continue to teach your kids, your community and, and the world. Uh, I appreciate you and I appreciate you having on the, uh, joining the conversation today, Rajan. We'll, we'll speak soon. Thanks a lot, Chris. Have a good one. Bye-bye. That was Rajan Thananayagam, Ironman athlete and human potentialist. You can find all the contact details for Rajan in our show notes. Now, this show is only valuable if you apply what you learn, and most learning is generated from reflection. So we'd love to hear from you and your reflections about what you learned or found interesting today. Join the community and go to theignitionshow.com connect. That's theignitionshow.com connect. And let us know what struck you and what was it that you heard today that you really needed to hear today. You can leave us an audio message or join our Facebook group and participate in the conversation there, where we'd love to hear your comments and follow-up questions. Also, be sure to check out the after show of this episode. That's the shorter follow-up episode where we, that's my wife and business partner, Sarah and I, talk about what we learned from this interview and how these ideas have shown up in our lives on a more personal level. As always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review on iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website and respond to as many people as we can. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, you have limitless potential, and you deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen, and this is The Ignition Show.